That seems like a good place for us to start it out. We are back with another episode of Sessions with Mary Jane. I am your host, Jordan, and I'm a little fried. I'm Reen Ezra. And I'm Brendan O'Brien. And we have your late night edition of Sessions with Mary Jane on this wonderful Monday evening. You'll be catching it probably on a Thursday uh, morning or something like that. But uh, we have a very special friend, guest, uh, artist, actor, uh, entrepreneur. Uh, what else does he do? He does so much. Stuntman. Stuntman. Uh, oh, yeah. Theotis Crane? Theo Crane? What, what are Theotis. we going with? Your stage name or your... <laughs> yeah, we, we can go by my stage name. My super <laughs> name. Um, Such a powerful name. It is. I appreciate that. That's a... It's a... It's Greek. It's Greek as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can picture you as a little literal Greek god. Oh wow! Yeah, he's yeah. yeah no, he it fits. It fits. <laughs> it yeah. fits the part how you look. But then also when I first <laughs> got to know you, I was just like, wow, this is such a genuine, down to earth, super chill person, and you are so amusing. Like I just, we just love you. Yeah, we do. Oh man, I appreciate it. You're welcome. That's nice. You guys, you guys are inspirational. I want to tell you that. Oh, oh yeah, thank you. Truly, truly. <laughs> like, I mean, think about how many people in the world are like, you know what, man? I want to start a podcast and like write sketches and it's gonna be about <laughs> weed and blah. But y'all motherfuckers did it. You you got you, matter of fact, I was just thinking about the uh the which festival was it? The um, cannabis uh, cannabis festival, yeah, cannabis festival. festival. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've already been in it. Reach the top of the weed mountain. I fucking love it. Let's see. Yeah. I need to get my ass straight. One second. Uh, <laughs> what you enjoy? Yeah. We for just sure. have fun. We just uh, have fun so you keep going. It's actually funny you should uh, comment on the podcast thing and the weed thing because you were actually on one of my past podcasts and you were the last episode because the episode ended up getting lost, I think, to the oh, application malfunction oh, wow. or something. That was a very fun podcast episode we had, but it never saw the light of day because I think it wow. was using the bumpers app. Back I then. wonder what conversations were spoken. Mm. Very interesting things, but it's good that we have full circle and we have brought you back on to sessions with Mary Jane to smoke weed again yeah. and talk about uh, a crazier world than the time that we first had a podcast together. Sure. And yeah. we're going to give you a, a little bit of a challenge just to go in the background um, because we always give people challenges. And, you know, we, we commented on your larger-than-life stature. Um, mm-hmm. we, we thought about almost giving you the challenge of giants. as That to, was to Jordan, by the way. I, we did not. But then I was like, I don't want to, like, other him as, like, a giant man um, because there's so much more to you. And I thought uh, Theo is a boxing aficionado, so I'll let him name uh, boxers in the I'm background. sorry, wait. He just, <laughs> he just he's here. <laughs> he's on... He's smoking weed. He was took microdosing before, and then he just took a bite out of some chicken on a fork. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever I'm out here, so I usually cook dinner out here, and I like to I like to grill my dinner. So I like grill every night. Uh And before, so I was gonna eat before I got on with you guys because I'm doing intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. My window closes now. This is my last meal, but like uh. I kind of like I've, I've always wasted charcoal because I'll just cook chicken and then I like put it out. So I was like, let me do a little bit more. So I made a spaghetti squash and Brussels sprouts and I roasted some garlic and mm-hmm. the chicken. So I'm like, yeah, right. Like, why not? Yeah, that sounds real good. Yeah. Do you cook most of the meals that you eat? Mm-hmm. I like eating out. Yeah. Sorry, but I cut you off, Jordan. Your the challenge was boxers. Mm, yeah. Just because I was, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Um, yeah, so you can, uh, you know, shout out, interrupt anytime when you list off your boxers, <laughs> your boxers, <laughs> of underwear. Um, we all are. Really. <laughs> um, Brendan will keep score, we'll check to make sure you're not lying or making things up. Uh, no cheating, no looking things up. Everyone gets a different challenge for the podcast. So you're okay. no matter what, 
um, <laughs> while we dive into your your life also with like the different uh, creative avenues you've gone down. So like, just for clarification, yeah. am I listing them in relation to the subject that we're on? No, you're just listing them whenever the F the weed tells you to yeah, uh, list you them, whatever you feel like it, whatever the conversation is a little dull, you might list off a bunch now, then all of a sudden you, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a challenge and then do them like 35 minutes into it. Yes. And but, when, <laughs> yeah, when a boxer punches you right in your memory, then you say that boxer to us. Well, I want to say this, um, the neighborhood that I'm in, that we're in right now, mm -hmm. Uh, it was, uh, it used to be a, uh, what do you call it? It was basically like a pavilion. They had a, an arena and everything. And this is, this, this was a site where the longest boxing match in history took place. Whoa. It was over, it was over a hundred rounds. Oh, whoa. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wait, I'll also say. You? Yeah, where I'm are you? In where? I'm in the bottom oh, water. Word. And at the, uh, this, I believe it was a Superdome still was where uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fought Roberto Duran. Mm, cool. That was, was like a big deal. So um, just to go back to the beginning of Theo and Jordan's relationship, how you guys, Ooh, yeah. that was in New Orleans? Yeah. Is that correct? In, in an improv class. In an improv class. Yes, wow. we were in an improv class. That was a very, uh, very interesting improv class. There were a lot of very uh, talented artists and performers and people in that class. Um, and yeah. are you from Louisiana, Theo? Nope. Or are you your origins? I'm from Atlanta. Um, it's Atlanta. weird because like... I've never been. I'm, I'm not wild enough to be from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like Atlanta. And so... This is the best place for me. You don't? Why do you not? I'll be in Florida. Sorry, you cut out. Say it again. Sorry. I said, this is as close to Florida as it gets without being Florida. Uh, um, I see. And I, I love Florida, but I can't ever live there. Yeah, same. I don't know if I, it's a different breed. <laughs> I don't know if I, yeah. Also, because we're just so used to being east coast people mm -hmm. um it is different when you i mean when i went to louisiana for the first time it was like yeah totally different way of life mm -hmm. i absolutely loved and the people absolutely i absolutely loved um but what was it about uh atlanta that, that i don't like yes so when i was growing up atlanta was still pretty civil rights heavy you know, um, there are museums where you could just hear about the things that happened and like the people that made a difference and like the reason we're here is because these people did this and this person did that. And that shit just went by the wayside because people came to Atlanta to make money, which God bless them. But like the, the, the Atlanta that I grew up with is not there. And that's like, that's the Atlanta that I love. Gotcha. Um, and also like Freaknik, like you can't have civil rights or freaknik like fuck that place uh -huh. you like <sighs> freaknik was magical hmm. like okay you know how everybody like everybody supposedly has two sides or whatever mm -hmm. one of my sides is a little bit of a hoe and like freaknik just even if i didn't participate in anything it just scratched the itch just knowing people were out in the streets just getting naked and just do it get to it like yeah it was just it just spoke to me and like yeah louise like new orleans has like the naked bite right but it's not freaknik you know what i mean <laughs> like, like freaknik was just it was it was all the things that i was about at that time okay so uh it's nostalgia to to short answer um, it's the nostalgia of the Atlanta that I miss. Got you. Okay. And, um, was it when you left Atlanta that you were exploring acting or boxing or being a stuntman? Cause I know there's many, like we said, you're multi-talented. Yeah. Um, so you could let me know what could let us know what came first. Um, and was that uh, discovery in Atlanta or when you left? So I discovered acting in Atlanta um, at Seven Stages Theater in Little Five Points. 
um, I was in, it was a 30th anniversary, I believe. I might get back, get them backwards. It was a 30th anniversary, no, 78, 88, 98, 2000, 40th anniversary of the play Hair. Ah. And the 30th anniversary of the theater that we were doing it at. And so it was like a big year and I, I got cast. Like, I basically, I was at a fork in the road in my life. I was at a shitty job and I was about to lose my apartment. And I got uh, somebody put my name in to, because I was in regional plays, like just fucking around with friends and stuff, but there was no money involved. It was on weekends, whatever. I, I still had a life around it. Um, but the dude who did that, uh, suggested that I audition for this and he like put my name in it, whatever. And so if I stayed at work that day, I did, I missed the audition. It was the last day they were auditioning. If I went, I had to quit my job. So I quit my job and I went down and auditioned for hair and it was the exact same amount of money that I was making at the same, at this place. So it was like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. Still lost my apartment. It didn't matter. Um, <laughs> and so. And how old were you? 28. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I had about 10 years of arrested development where there were just things that I wasn't aware of in the world and had no real idea how to make like my next life step. So I just worked. I just took jobs where I could find jobs, like through recessions or whatever. So I've had a bunch of different jobs. And none of them were something I wanted to do for longer than a year, mm. right? And so this was the first thing that when money was in involved, I was more intrigued. I was like, all right, because I knew it was going to be art something. I grew up drawing and painting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an audiophile. I'm a cinephile. Like, I knew it was going to be something art. That was always the direction I was encouraged to go in. That's like the one thing. Me and my mom don't have a great relationship but like the ones like you need to be acting like from a young age <clears throat> it was weird you would think like the parents are clashing like you need to get a real job blah 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 <laughs> wear a tie be a man but no 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 you need to be on tv <laughs> she supported that yeah she saw that in you and she's like this is the thing you have to go after yeah, yeah. um there, there used to be so we she we did extra work when i was a kid like 13 14 Okay. Um, and they were looking, I, I think they were looking for a stand-in for Michael Clark Duncan for uh, the, um, the Green Mile. Oh, wow. And there was this number that you would call to hear about the extra jobs because like the internet wasn't really a thing yet. Um, and she heard it and she was like, you need to call him. And I dilly-dally and I did whatever. And she got pissed because I missed it. Mm -hmm. um, and that shit just kind of stuck out to me. Um, and so like, I, and that, you know what? never considered it but that might be the reason why i went for this audition mm. you know and so um i went and i got it and it was a it was a musical so like i'd only done karaoke you know what i mean so <laughs> it was wild that i like i sang <laughs> this serious ass play i sang chocolate salty balls for my audition <laughs> 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 hey, it works. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. I forgot about that shit. But yeah, I say chopped the salty balls and I got this fucking audition. Yeah. Um, and it was like dancing and singing and and all this other like there was scaffolding you jumped off and down from. I don't know how I was, you know what it is? <laughs> it was my last years of real true athleticism. Like, I've been in shape after that, but that was the years when I could just get up and decide I was going to do something. Like, I'm going to go run around the block and could actually do it. Mm. You know, that yeah. was the last years that I had that. So, because I was smoking about two packs a day. And I oh, actually, because I, I smoked more to make my voice deeper so I could hit the low notes. That's what it was. Oh, oh Don't do that, kids. What a great story. <laughs> how, how are your lungs? <laughs> well, um. My best friend made a song about me called Baby Lungs. <laughs> <laughs> if that gives you any inclination, yeah. So but who's the who's the song by where can they find uh, it? Was, it was, so it's um it's uh you know it's um Baby Love by the Supremes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's that. Uh, Baby uh, Love. 
lungs. So baby lung, he's breathing. No, he's wheezing. Oh, he's not breathing. Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. <laughs> so, uh, Thea, what was the route then uh, of you transitioning into doing more film and TV stuff, like especially getting cast in The Walking Dead when you did? So it was actually moving to New Orleans. Um, so I couldn't find any attraction in Atlanta. I was, I, I had two more years there, right? And I was like, how do you get into acting? And nobody really had an answer. So I did like haunted houses and shit like that, right? And then I got entangled with this woman and ended up moving to New Orleans. And it like, it was, I think it was the lack of a, of a safety net, you know, like mm-hmm. I couldn't move back to my mom's house, that kind of shit, right? Um, and I was far enough away from her that I was having a good time in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. My mother's a lovely woman. We just don't get along. I have to like, if, if by whatever chance she sees this, I just needed to say like, I don't like, we just have classy personalities, I think. I think if we met in the street, we would just have beef. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but she's a lovely person. But, like, the distance made our relationship better. And I started getting on Craigslist looking for plays and shit, and I got into this play at a French festival. And that's when I found out that there was networks of people who just get together and do shit, talk about it, commiserate and celebrate and blah, blah, blah. And so I started doing plays first and I had gotten, I went and got an agent. I don't remember doing this. I called every, <laughs> every representation I've ever had with the exception of my New York rep, a cold call. Oh yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I either cold called or sent just a, a, a email template that I made. Mm. Um, and I, remember, I think I just, I think I either called or just showed up to their office and I had gotten this agent. It was my very first agent, you know, very low level. And then I got this play and somebody wanted me in another play because somebody's always making a play somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I remember that I booked this play and then my agent booked this commercial for me for like a couple grand. I was like, shit, can I just not do this play? It's like, no, you committed to it. <laughs> and I asked the people, I asked the people who were running the fucking fight. I was a dumbass. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but then it was like, no, I need to make money. So if, if that's how I make money, I need to do that. Um and so I started moving towards film and TV and I found the indie people there and like who was just use the rest of their fucking money to just make us something like all those people sat in a room and were like, well, I need this and I need this. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. And my happy to be here has gotten like a thing or two. And I'd learned enough that I knew I needed to get a different agent. So I did. And I, uh, I got taken an acting class with this guy, Lance Nichols. He was my first acting coach. And he was like, you need to go to this person. And they, and they'll get you straight and blah, blah, blah. And this is what a resume looks like and yada, yada, yada. And it was, he, gave, he just, he ran down the game for me. And then it was like, okay, I can make money. Because I was, at that point, I was a bouncer on Bourbon Street. I was a massage therapist at like two or three places. I think I was also cooking. Wow. Because when I first got there, I got a job on Bourbon Street and working at this barbecue place. Um, and then, but I was always like, my whole life I've been a bouncer. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I got to do that. But in Louisiana, it's illegal for you to search somebody coming in the door. So like, you don't know who has a gun ever. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So you have I did, some unusual bouncer stories? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. Could you imagine me as a bouncer? Yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has a role, right? There's, of course, the big dude. The big dude makes sure people listen. But then you have to have somebody with something to say. And it's usually the smaller people. And there has to be a woman there, unless you just have all dudes come in your establishment. You have all dudes come in your establishment. You probably will make a ton of money. So you have to have a woman there that can deal with women. 
Because, yeah. you know, so like, and the smallest women in stature always ended up having the biggest personality and always ended up being heard the most. This is true. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks needed. Like small people have been, the, the, I've gotten my biggest lessons from small people. So I grew up doing martial arts. Um, every teacher I've had, except for my last boxing coach, small. My, my, my judo sensei was like a second father to me, right? 5'4", 140 pounds. <laughs> he was whooping my ass I was 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, but, but yeah. Like, I, we just see life from a different angle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, <laughs> and the thing that I, I realized, little, smaller people got shit done. You know, there's always a drive involved. And part of it is you have more fucking energy. You know what I mean? I don't know how that it works like that, but it is. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's truly, it's just a matter of resources. I'm 6'8", 300 pounds. You know, like, it takes more for me to run. I have to eat around 5,000 calories a day just to make it. And just to be, like, just to maintain this. If I want to lose weight, yeah, a little less, but, like, 5 Gs is my baseline. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it's just a matter of resources like i yeah. run out of gas first you know what i mean yeah but like i learned to pattern myself after people smaller in stature because there's also an efficiency involved like yeah when you're younger you're flashy but like a 30 something year old five two motherfucker can show you some shit <laughs> yeah. and yeah and so like and, and that's another thing like I've, i'm saying like a lot uh, another thing was patterning my my different trajectories after people who were doing it right. So from 28 to about, oh shit, till now, Google has been the thing. I Googled my win act, to be real with you, because it's like after the play, it was like, all right, what do I do? I don't fucking know. I got this phone with Google on it, so I Googled it, and that's how I found the haunted house. You know, but when I got to New Orleans... It was, it was like, okay, they're in markets. There's like people and types and stuff. And so I started patterning myself after people who are doing things similar to me, like Michael Clark Duncan. Um, and so, but I just Googled like, where do they go to school? Who are they rep by? Where do they live? What, you know, what do they eat? Important. It's real important. What they eat, real fucking important. Mm -hmm. um, but all that together it was all that together just doing it over and over and also like trying to figure out how to be a responsible human being because i was kind of a shit bag like kind of a shit bag i was in a uh like a few years prior i lived in this house with i think four of the people right because that's always been my bag too i like communes don't but um <laughs> <laughs> but we at, so we were all just kind of going through it and we called ourselves team sorry and I was captain sorry. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was just like, we were just kind of wading in water and we knew it, you know? Mm. And so I was trying to figure out my way out of that part of life as well. Um, and so as I learned those things, the job became easier to do. Um, and so... I got this new agent. I had this coach who I could call occasionally, but he's also an actor who's doing well. Like he's still doing well. I just saw him post on Instagram about an, uh, a movie he was in that won like award at some festival or whatever. So I was like, yeah. Um, and I say I have to say that sometimes, you know, successful people rarely have a lot of time. You know what I mean? And so it was like, um, he was showing me the ropes, right? And these are things I've thought about recently, and and so the timing, like you're you're getting a you're getting a, a, a motor full of gas right now because like the thing that it, the things I've been resonating with, like the difference between a teacher and a coach, right? A teacher shows you the structure of a system and how to navigate through it. A coach brings you along with them, mm. you know, and so. I didn't understand that. It's, I didn't understand it until like last year, honestly. But um, but like, I didn't have a lot of teachers back then, and so I was just kind of waiting. So like, I don't like to speculate 
or project what would have been. But I also have a pretty good feeling that if I would have like found teachers when I was younger, my life would have had way fewer bumps or at least a few fewer, like that's the hope, right? Cause like, uh, I also, when I was younger, hurt my knee real bad, right? And I was like 15, blew up my ACL, gone, 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 gone. And I had to get surgery when I was like 17. It was on my, it was on my 17th birthday. And when I was 19, that same knee, I broke my kneecap. Uh, Cause I used to skateboard. I skateboarded for one year exact. <laughs> they like, did it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm running and, and sl- power sliding and doing all this shit and like fighting. Like at the, at the same time, I'm still trying to find places to train and fight. While I was in Atlanta, up until I left, I was training to be a judo com- uh, competitor. Like my goal at that point was to go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have had more fun, like the one thing I knew is that if I did things the way people were supposed to do things, I would have been really successful because I had a lot of natural gifts. Judo came, judo saved my life a bunch of times. Mm. You know what I mean? Like legit saved my life. And not just the physical, but like the mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hear a crazy bouncer story? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to name this story uh, Mike Tyson. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. It goes on the list also. Um, and so I was, this is still in Atlanta. Where did I meet this dude? Oh, shit. I met him at Dragon Con. Okay. So I was a massage therapist. I had just met, I had just met Peter Mayhew, who was Chewbacca from Star Wars. Yeah. He was a client of mine at Dragon Con. He, like, came in the spot. So I gave Peter Mayhew a massage, right? What? Um, <laughs> but the... That's just a flex. The point of that story was I met this woman. <laughs> <laughs> Good flex. Uh, yeah. How many, how much, how many knocks did he have body? Well, he came in and he was, Real so bad. his his actual height is like seven foot six because he had gigantism. Um, oh, he was actually seven foot six. He was like, no, seven foot four, I think. I, but when he came in, oh, he was oh, like yeah. seven. So but he was like... <laughs> but there is, there, structurally, structurally, there is like you. You think like, oh, seven foot something, seven foot something. But the more seven foot something you are, the harder it is. True. And at that time, he was like seven one because his uh, his muscles had contracted so much that he couldn't stand up all the way anymore. Oh, yeah. And like, uh, and he was like, I think he was in his sixties at that time. And uh, and so like. But I was the one therapist who could do something about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I it was that was it was a it was a lucky situation. So it was a really good weekend, and I was really in the meeting because I'd never been to a convention before either. Uh, I was a nerd without a without a place, and so uh, I met this artist who was just amazing art. She painted a zombie giraffe. It was and it was so striking and like such a good. It was very small it was so good so detailed i was like i need to know who this person is because from the time i was small if anybody was good at any kind of artistic endeavor i wanted to know everything about them um and so we hung we like hung out not like hung out but we like legit as friends hung out and uh one night it was like a saturday her brother was in town from lebanon because that's their front and um, we just like went out and we went to this sushi place and it turned into a club after a certain time, right? Because it was Saturday in Atlanta, you want to make some money. And during the transition from restaurant to club, the brother got into it with the chef, like the cook. Mm. First and foremost, I... I'm not perpetuating any stereotypes in this story. Nothing about this story is why certain people are certain people. This is literally what happened. There was a whole bunch of Japanese dudes in suits, right? And the chef, like the cook, looked like the chef out of a Kung Fu movie. White t-shirt, weird white hat cocked to the side, uh, apron, dirty black pants, unidentifiable shoes. Like legit... He was either whooping somebody's ass or somebody was going to whoop somebody's ass on his behalf. Either one of the two. 
And he gets into a fight with this guy. Like the one dude you don't want to fight with in a sushi place, the cook, the knife dude. He's fighting <laughs> with him. And um, me and his sister were like hanging out because it's a party. So we're like, oh shit, what's this? And either, oh no, he was fighting inside with them. He was fighting with like one or two people and he was getting kicked out. I'm like, oh shit, but I know how to navigate this. So I'm like, yo, yo, he's with me. I'll take him out. I took him out and we're in the parking lot and the dudes followed him. Like the cook and like two legit underbosses from a Bruce Lee movie came out. (laughs) And he was, but the thing is he was handling them. It was one on three and he was getting them. But I found out later it was because he was super sad because his sister had got attacked while she was in Lebanon. And it was why he was here and he couldn't do anything about it. So he just felt powerless and was like hurting for his sister. So he was like fighting with a raise that we'll never understand. (laughs) And uh, so he was handling these dudes. And the Japanese dude in a suit walked up with an Uzi. And I said, hey, put that back. <laughs> yell, hey, put that back. But he did. Thank God. And so, like, and his sister, the dude's sister, is like screaming and crying because she's seeing the whole thing. So I just grabbed the dude. I like, what is I peeled, oh my I God. peeled the three dudes off of him and just like ran. And, like, oh my God. Him out of my arm and, like, ran. We're leaving. We're leaving. Cause like the whole time I could have ended this fight at any point. Like no, no person in this fight was taller than five, seven, like, <laughs> no, no shade to anybody. But like, I could have ended this fight at any point, but it was like, there is no time to double dutch into the situation until I saw that. Uzi. <laughs> but you, so you used, yeah. Like a, it was a mental strategy instead of a physical strategy. It was, it was, it was like, it felt like verbal judo, you know? Yeah, it, it felt like Rebel Judo. I felt like, but I felt like it was an off. So, okay, there's three parts to a Judo throw. Um, let me make sure I get this. Because I think the uh, tincture is starting to kick in. Um, <laughs> what, Kazushi, what? <laughs> uh, it, it's Kazushi, Sakure, and Kake. Uh, off balancing, fitting in, and executing, right? And I think I just did a little bit of off balancing. Like, I just caught, like, Cause you don't expect anybody to just, like, hey, put that back. It's the most, it's yeah. the plainest, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think he he like had a second like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like hearing reason at the right time can really be effective. And the person's like, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, that's a good idea. <laughs> but like, yeah, that was that was like a. I forgot about that story. I haven't thought about that story in years. Jesus Christ. It's a good week. Yeah, hell yeah. That was a great story. Um, <laughs> what a such tense situation at first. Yeah, I was about to ask you how you translated it from like that, like, like doing like martial arts into movies, but you just kind of described a movie, like martial arts scene to us. So like, so, so how, like, but how, like, how did the two kind of like overlap in your life? So weirdly, um, my life is, has a lot of happenstance, right? Mm. Um, I got into stunt work. That was good. God damn. All right. I got into stunt work. So wait. So what I did was I took some aluminum foil, right? And I put the Brussels sprouts in there. Uh-huh. And then I, I put some uh, olive oil all up and through it. I made sure it was covered. And then a lot of pepper and a little salt. And, uh, and then I put it on the grill for like a fucking hour. But like that stuff, yeah. So, uh, olive oil has a low burn temperature, so mm-hmm. it starts to burn quicker, so it gets that like crispy whatever on it. Yeah. And the pepper, like, ugh. Anywho, um, it was a Facebook post. I was in, I was in LA at the time. I had moved from New Orleans to LA because it was a Norman Reedus movie, something about knives, and. And I got this audition. It was for like a lead character in that movie. And I was like, oh shit, it's popping. And I had a teacher at the time and we worked on the audition for like a half afternoon. And I was really proud of it, sent it in. And I found out later that like some dude in LA got it. And I was like, if some dude in LA keeps getting all these jobs, I should go be some dude in LA. Hmm. And so I moved out there because 
another happenstance story. This dude on Twitter reached out to me because he said he could help me on my father account, right? I was at like, I was between 10 and 40,000. Like I was doing all right, right? Um, and you watch uh, Sons of Anarchy? Yep. You know the guy that plays Happy? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, is, that, is that Theo Rossi? No, not Theo Rossi. It's, um, God, his name is Blanken. Um, I can see his face. The ball, he's, well, they're all ball. Um, I'm going to look it up. But anyway, the Sons of Anarchy had just ended. And he was, like, everybody else was kind of an established actor. But, like, oh. he just kind of, he got into it. Like, he, he just, like, talented his way into it. Like, he had that. Uh, Happy Loman is. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Happy Loman. What's the actor's name? Uh, yeah, that's the character. Right. The actor uh, is uh, David LaBrava. Yes, David LaBrava. Thank you very much. David LaBrava was making a movie because, like, he didn't really have that much experience, and he like he kind of like worked his way in because like, you can't say hustle because it was all just like what he brought to the table was, was a lot, and it was really good for that part and the character. But like, he wanted to expand his brand and like do more shit, and so he got a bunch of people together to make this uh, proof of concept trailer, right? It was like, uh, so Don Fry is an MMA uh, fighter, right? Uh, the guy who played the T2 in The Terminator, uh, Robert Patrick. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to just look it up. Hold on. Because it's like a lot. So Greg Baldy was a cinematographer. And he's like a big deal in his own right. Um, and he had him doing the cinematography for the... For the uh, for the whatchamacallit. But like, of course you got Sons of Anarchy people in it. So like, uh, let's see. Street Level, that's the name of it. Um, so Marilyn Manson's in it. Uh, David LaBrava, uh, Mark Boone Jr., who's like the big dude from Sons of Anarchy. Charisma Carpenter from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Drea Matteo from... Uh, from uh, Sopranos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean Whalen from People Under the Stairs. Okay. He's a kid actor. Like, you know his face when you see him. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Like, he just got, like, a bunch of motherfuckers come out and and just make this trailer, Right. Uh, Danny Trejo, fucking yeah, like it was re- like when I came out there, it was like, what the fuck is happening right now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and the dude who got me hooked up with him, who just hit me up on Twitter, was like, "Yo, if you ever want to move out of here, um, I got a cousin." Oh no, he said, "I have a place for you to stay." I found out it was a cousin that I could stay with the next room, um, and that's where I stay. <laughs> but I stayed there for exactly six months, and it's funny because. I was auditioning a ton, right? But not booking anything. I had agents out. I had gotten LA agents. I had a manager. Like that trip, I got a manager. Like I, I emailed a list. I, mean, I got on the SAG After website and just found all the managers and uh, agents. They were like, yeah, these are good ones. And I, I, made, I just emailed all of them. And one of them hit me back. And then I, I told her my plan, like I'm moving out to LA. I just want to have a rep before I get out there. And she was like, I'll try you out but you have to move out here. And she, a couple other things. She's still my manager. Um, like she's dope. And, but like, so like, it, it kind of like got me set up for, for things that I couldn't even, I didn't even understand that I needed at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was exactly six months was up, was coming up anyway. No, it was a day. And I hadn't booked anything because that was the thing. I was like, I was banking on my marketability. Like, I'm going to move out and I'm going to book something. I'm going to get an apartment, yada, yada, yada. Um, and because this at this point in my life in New Orleans, I had quit my day job. It was just acting. Like, I was just pursuing acting. What I didn't realize is you can't do that shit in L.A. <laughs> so I was living off residuals and like, you know, hopes and dreams and like the kindness of this dude's cousin. <laughs> and so six months was up and he was like, yo, man, I just got engaged, yada, yada, yada. 
And right before I went to talk to him, I saw this Facebook post. We need somebody this height, this weight, these dimensions. That sounds a lot like me. Yeah, I can do that. And I had that talk like, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. I go back in my room. I sit down and look at my phone. I got this job in New Orleans, and they're going to fly me down. Um, and I worked that job. I worked that job for three seasons. I, so I ended up doubling one of the main characters who wasn't supposed to be a main character. His character was supposed to get killed in the first step in like the intros of the first episode, but the actor was so good. They made him a lead. Mm. And so I doubled this dude for three fucking years. He brought me to Canada. I'd never been to Canada. I fucking love Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, it was a Facebook post and, and really good timing. Um, but like when I was down there, um, I was staying with one of the fighters that I used to uh, train with and fight with before I left, right? Um, we had become roommates, and I was like 50 50 rent, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, in New Orleans, you can quit your day job and live off residuals or whatever the fuck. And so I got a call. I'm sitting on the toilet in this short ass apartment because, like, I had to do this to Santa Liverman, right? She lived in a basement apartment. <laughs> I'm sitting on the toilet, and my agent calls me, like, hey, I need you to be in Baton Rouge in an hour. <laughs> And um, it turns out it was an audition for this, this show, Underground, oh, wow. that uh, I ended up doing like five episodes on. Cool. And I was doing at the same time that I was doing Zoo, which is a stunt job. And so I was doing, and it, it was a stunt acting job. And I think that's part of the reason I got the job, because it was already, like I was in that, I worked in stuntman. Um, and it was my first fucking stunt job, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um I was the the coordinators knew each other, and so they basically planned out my schedule. <laughs> and I would like one coordinator would come like, "Yo, they really need you on set at the other job." And one job uh, rented me a car because I was technically an LA actor. Hmm. Yeah, and so like this sequence of events, like that's how my career started. Like that wow. right there was was like actually it because before. You know, I, I I would get work. I would book maybe if I was really lucky, because it was like really, really like one line stuff, right? No shade to that, but like that's what it was. It got me my sad card. It got me what I needed, but like I needed something to like sus- to show me what it was to sustain life just doing art. And that was it. That was the first time I had seen what it looks like. And so I I took really really careful notes about everybody that was involved in the process. And like figured out who I wanted to pattern different aspects of my life after. So one thing I learned about, um, so I, I got a therapist, right? And I'm really good at compartmentalization, compartmentalization because of past emotional trauma, yada yada yada, right? So that comes in handy when you're crafting a career from you know ground up. And I, I was able to see like this person is one specific thing really well. I need to learn that. And I would just watch people and learn shit and like talk to people and like build relationships and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's really what got it started. So Walking Dead was like great. Walking Dead got me to LA, right? Mm-hmm. But Underground and Zoo were like really the jams. That was that was the first time because like Walking Dead was my first uh recurring role, but it was two episodes. Not but it was two episodes. And so like it got syndicated and everything and the residuals are good. But like, if I was one of those five or eight episode dudes living off residuals in LA would have been a lot easier to do. And I might not have moved back to New Orleans. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like everything happened in such a way that was like, no, nah, no, nah, you're going to go this way. You know? Um, but like the neat thing comes in because I had no business doing any of this shit. My role on underground, we were literally running. Like, <laughs> We were running from, so like I was, but I lost a ton of weight. <laughs> I lost a ton of weight because I was still naturally uh, talented physically, but like I was in my thirties at that point, and so things were like. Eh. Um, but but I also think that kind of saved my ass because if I'd have been heavier, then my my knees would have not been shit today. Um, so like, yeah, that worked out too. Um, but yeah, man, like that whole period was a wild ass ride. That was also, oh, 
yeah, that was also like my whole phase. You know, like everybody has to have like a good whole, like I think in order to have a happy life, you got to have a good whole phase. Mm-hmm. And that was like during my whole phase, I was just living an adventure. And so it kind of worked out, right? Um, and and right when things started like leveling out, I was like, you know what? I should probably get my shit together. And I did. And and like, so like, the, 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 again, the timing of it all, because if I'd have kept my whole phase going into that, like uh, three months after that, I ended up with six pack because I had terrible anxiety, but I was, I'm a fighter and I live like six blocks away from the gym. So at like five, six in the morning, I walk to the gym and just work out all day to work on my anxiety. Well, six months of that, I had a six pack. And if I'd have still been my whole face, I would have herpes. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee. I guarantee it I would have. Yeah. And so, like, again, you know, just like the timing of it all. So a fighter with really good timing is uh, like the best time to actually um, – Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, Muhammad Ali, and Mike Tyson both regard him as the greatest pound, pound fighter of all times. I also stand by that, given this current landscape of pound, pound fighters, with Canelo Alvarez being the top, Terrence Crawford being number two, Errol Spence being a close third. Hmm. What would, when you, um, which the first of all, I think is like incredible that you just went after uh, and chase like each step along the way to advance in your acting career where you would just cold call people, email a bunch of people. You were like figuring it out step by step and then using the goodness of strangers at first who were strangers around you and then building the relationships Um which I think it's not, sometimes I don't think it's just luck where it's like, yeah, maybe the universe does pivot you from one direction to the other to go on the path you're meant to be on. But that is a lot of credit to you. A lot of credit to being like, you're like, okay, I need to go to the next thing. Oh, I need to know, you knowing uh, what's working for you in the moment and what isn't and being like aware and astute to be like, oh, this is the experience. I got to pay attention to who do who's doing what so that I can, like you said, make note and that you can, you know, be because you do have such a, a presence and there is so much more to you. Even like the little bit we got to enjoy with collaborating with sketches and hearing your writing and hearing your ideas musically and hearing your, you, I mean, you've got a lot going on in your head. Like all the, <laughs> you know, like it's funny shit. It's wild shit. Some of the stuff you text oh, don't me. Don't say that to a man on shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it as a compliment. I mean it as a compliment. You don't want someone who's bland and doesn't have any, you know, someone who's one note. Um, the things you text that I'm just like, wow, this is, very intriguing and you and um but all also for so that's like the mental aspect of it as well as when you got into boxing just to lead into the last thing you were talking about boxers going into I mean also I there's just so much you've worked like so many different odd jobs um but then when you channel your energy into something like boxing what is one of the good things you took from it and learned from it and what was one of the hard things you had to adjust when you were trained like just doing it just do it because it's it's different every martial arts is different than you know yeah. it's different than karate is different than so yeah i'm just interested so in i'll start with the hard thing and it's two-part because my my coach also was a kickboxing coach and a style of kickboxing was called Sanda. It's Chinese. It's Sando or Sanshao. And they've universally gone Sanda lately. So oh. um, uh, part one of the hardest was that, like, in Sanda, you have to kick. I've never been a kicky dude. You know what I mean? I'm real tall. My balance is, you know. You're equal. And so, yeah. And, but, like, there's my judo training gave me the balance that it took to like actually learn how to kick. And I, I, my, my goal in life has been to have like a, a beautiful sidekick, 
like through all the knee shit, whatever. And, but like, you have to be so strong. <laughs> but like your center of gravity or your core, is that a core thing? Oh, okay. It's all of it. So, all right. In order, so breaking down a sidekick, you have to have, first off, your feet need to be evenly spaced on the, clenched on the ground. There are three points of, of, uh, of com- contact that you need to have a sense of gravity for. And okay. so going straight up the leg, the muscles that control those three points have to be equally available and strong and balanced. And the thing about my left leg was for a number of years, it bent in like it was crooked. And so to have that balance, it was, it was really, really difficult. Right. Um, But also I think getting that balance might've fucked up a little bit worse. So I was always an anatomy nerd uh, growing up because like my mom had anatomy books because she was a painter. And so she would like paint people's bodies. And so I grew up looking at them and, and just like the body fascinated me. And when I went to massage school, um, I didn't have money for an anatomy and physiology book. So I brought a notepad because she would put slides up like the same slides were in the book. So if you had the book, you could look at it, but I just drew the muscle and wrote down all the information. So like, I literally memorized an anatomy book. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that was how you memorize things. Um, and so when somebody stole the book, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I still remember it. Um, Cause somebody stole the book. That was really sad. Anyway. Um, when I think about things like the mechanics of a kick, I'm thinking about from anatomy and physiology standpoint, like there has to be balance coming from the, from specifically the hips and the glutes. Like, Everybody should be squeezing their cheeks at all times. Like boxing or regular life? Life. Every part of your life. Everybody should be squeezing your cheeks at all times. Like your butt cheeks should have everything to do with everything you ever fucking do. It's so annoying. It's so fucking annoying because I didn't know it until I was like 30 something. Why? Use your butt. Come on, Jordan. is literally your center of gravity. Like it controls how your body maneuvers through through planes. Like you squeeze you squeeze your right cheek, you're turning to the right. That's you know, and it's the 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 degree of the turn depends on the 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 strength of the cheek. Um so <laughs> <laughs> like the handbrakes on a bike. Yes. <laughs> They're exactly like the handbrakes on a bike. I wonder if that has to do with our tailbone through evolution, because when we had tails, and yes. that was also part yes. of the balance. Uh, and I, I would not be surprised. Right? That's so, yeah. Yes. That's my science brain. Just coming. Yeah, we're animals, man. We're just animals. But it is that is so true, though, and very helpful that anatomically for you to understand that you do. Once you understand so much more about your mind and body and how they work with each other in communication and just the the just like the basic fundamentals and everything, you understand how to do certain things in life. Just it just becomes easier. Or it just becomes, it just gives you clarity. Yes. The clarity makes it easier because you know what to focus your energy on. Right. Like, I know that, because I have a, I have a, like a, a back, uh, uh, a gym that I kind of made for my backyard because of the pandemic. I was, I'm still scared of people. My God. But um, I have like a real big heavy bag that's on a, a heavy metal stand. Um, <laughs> a concrete block with a stick in it. like various large rocks like uh one was a a bag of concrete that got rained on so it's like just a giant oval rock which is perfect and then i have uh another small rock that i can use for one end of things and then a sledgehammer and that's a great homemade gym that's it yeah I can do everything I need. I can do grip strings. Oh, and I got some uh, mats so I can like jump rope and I can, I can box some things and I have a doubling ball that I also brought in. But, um, there you go. but like, I also was the, so we lived in New York for three years and I worked at Equinox one of those years, right? The gym. And the thing about Equinox is they're a horrible corporate global gym, right? but they have some of the best training you're ever going to see for the trainers. Like every trainer at Equinox, if they're t- t- tier two or above knows their shit. You have to go to the training in order to work there. 
like three days a week, you have to go literally to class, like a couple hours for a class for more physiology. So I was like, all right, I'm going to use this to fix my knees. And so I like paid really close attention. I still didn't fix my knees, but I learned a bunch of shit. And so now that my knees are fixed, I know what I need to do. And I don't have to like try shit. And I don't have to like, okay, we're, this we're going to try to see if I, I know what I need and I can get it out of these fucking rocks and heavy bag, you know? Um, and so that's another, like, that was, that was different because that wasn't my journey. I was, I was brought along for that journey. I was, I'm very, I'm a very grateful participant, but like, uh, that was like a happy accident. Um, cause in New York, you can't live off residuals either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, two things. Um, one, from all of the teachers and coaches you've had in your life, what is one of the like most important to you? Cause it's different for everybody. What like the piece of guidance or advice or something that they've given you that's like stood out the most or been most significant to you in your life? You can't control anybody else until you learn to control yourself. Mm. Amen. And that, that works on every single level. You so know, does, yeah. So you can't convince anybody of anything in life until you've got a firm grasp on who you are and what you're really trying to do and what you want. Um, and so that's been that's been translated for me several times throughout my life, and I'm really grateful for that bit of information. Um, I also learned what hard work was because I didn't really have the concept. Like, um, I had some, I had like. The thing about my mom is she tries really hard, but she's also hard-headed. So she's working hard in a direction that might not be the direction that might suit her best at that time, right? And I say it to say, uh, she was doing it on her own. My mom's an artist. She's a really creative person. She was doing some wild shit. For like six years, we sold pantyhose to make work. You know what I mean? Mm. And like beyond that, I didn't really have great role models. Like you know, basic boys in the hood story. Dad, you know, boys, Minnesota side story. Dad wasn't there. Mom's trying to make it work. Friends, gang bangers, blah 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 blah. Whatever, smoke crack. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I would latch on to these these certified male role models you know what I mean like yeah um and the thing that I really learned was that if you want anything to work because you're always in competition whether you're in competition with yourself or competition somewhere else internal external there's always the two fights right you always have to know what it is to work harder than anybody else because that's the only way you really win hmm Mm -hmm. Good answer. The other thing I was going to ask before we close out is just what do you have in store for the future? What is Theo working on? Uh, what, yeah, what are you looking forward to do? So, almost got me. Um, I'm really actually, I'm very excited. Um, so, I'm, I've been working on an animated pilot that we're now pitching. And that's the first time I've never like been to a point where I was like, this is good enough. Somebody else give me money for it. Mm. Um, really? Also, Exciting. Um, I'm, I'm working on a boxing movie. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. I'm working on that for a while. And, uh, and it's, it's actually coming along pretty well. Um, it's in the writing stages. It's it is in the writing stages. I, but I brought on a partner. I found somebody that is uh, a good. So, if we're talking shapes, I'm good way out here. Like I can reach out here and still find my way back, right? But I work best if somebody's just walking that straight line. You know what I mean? And I found somebody writing wise is real good at just that straight line, that structure, that blah blah blah. Yeah. And I can just shoot off to the stratosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that 
that has made the process feel like it's, it's less of a year thing, more of a month thing, as far as getting a finished product or something I can show somebody and be proud of. Um, so like writing accomplishments. But acting-wise, I have two movies that are uh, premiering this year. Uh, well, yeah. So one is uh, a movie that is 100% CGI. Wow. It's called Bury Me Twice. Um it's a zombie noir. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so into that! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> and it's uh, the premiere is at TCL Chinese Theater in LA. It's the indie film fest out there, um, and so that was like one of the target film festivals. So we're all very excited that uh, that landed there. And I wrapped on my first starring role in a movie last November, a movie called Don't Die. And it's scheduled for a uh, uh, fall release at a film, like a film festival type deal. Nice. Um, I'm I'm actually really excited about this because like this was a year, the, well actually the two years that I was like I want to do indie shit. I want to do as much like I want to do a ton of indie shit because I mean there's a difference. There's like indie movies that still got a lot of money and it's like yeah, but like uh, the like we barely got the movie made indie. You you learn a ton. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like college. I'll be like honestly, uh, if you do the right work, it's kind of like your uh, master's thesis or whatever you got to write to like get it out. Um, but like on a much higher level because you're still sustaining life while you're doing it. So it's like life college. I don't know anyway. Um, but like I felt like that would do a lot of service to me, especially because it it works so well with all the improv. Like, Jordan and I met in an improv class, and it took me a little bit before like through an improv program, which is one of my big life goals. But I hadn't really had the opportunity to, like, test it in the way that I intended to use improv. You know what I mean? Okay. And so those are things that I could just, if I had an, uh, an inclination, I could follow it, and it was encouraged. And I, I came up with some pretty, some pr- pretty good results. Like, I'm really proud of the both projects honestly um and and they were at times in my life that I felt the most creative um which people don't really talk about but like they're like fertile times in a person's life where like things are going well and like you're you're doing good and your mindset is is not just like positive but it's elastic you know what I mean like you can go anywhere you're down for whatever and then you get a job where they're like look I want you to just take this ball and run you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's a good time. Um, well, we are so happy for you that those are uh, coming out. We are like really looking forward to seeing more from you. Happy you're collaborating on new projects. Um, I'm just out of curiosity, Brendan, how many does he have in his list? Let's see. <laughs> and if there's any more boxers you would like to add or get it in uh, last minute. Yeah, seven right now. Okay, so... Do you have credits? Do you roll credits? No. You <laughs> roll credits in audio podcast. Yeah. If you, oh, okay, okay. You can just like, shoot them off. Yeah, we'll just tell you that at the end. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can, I can go for a minute. Okay, so there's uh, Fast Eddie Chambers. There's Riddick Bow. There's Evander Holyfield. Um, can I add Fictitious? No. Mm, nah, I gotta be real. Real deal. Gotta be real? Oh. Okay, 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 okay. This, this um, one, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, there is, uh, Frank Bruno, there is, uh, oh, uh, Roberto Duran, Tommy, uh, no, um, well, there's Tony, um, Lights Out, Lights, James Tony, there's, um, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Hagler, um. Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns. Um, there's Tommy Morrison. There's Rocky, Ray Rocky, uh, Rocky Five. Ro- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a. Uh, uh, ooh, okay. Um, ooh, Julian Jackson. He was a beast. Um, there's oh Willie Pep. Uh, the Jack Johnson, I think I listed Jack Johnson already. Um, Jake LaMotta 
Raging Bull. Uh, there's, oh, uh, Archie Moore. There's, what's his name? I'll come back to him. Uh, <laughs> George Foreman. Uh, ooh. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Michael Moore. Uh, oh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, uh, and he be, so he be Cleveland Williams. He be, who else did he be? He be uh, Sonny Liston twice. He be, oh, say he be uh, George from, he, ah, uh, uh, shit. Am I going to have to jump? I'm going to have to jump. a really good list now. This is really good. I, I live to do this for hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going through errors. I'm following the link because, like, Archie Moore trained George Foreman, who beat uh, Michael Moore, uh, who was trained by Mike Tyson's trainer, who also trained. Who else trained? Well, anyway. Wait. Back. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a big family, so I got room. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, do you naturally have a good memory for, I guess, like boxing, but also maybe just like, like sports stats in general? Uh, no, but I, I work on my memory. I, I do, con- I play cognitive games. Mm. Um, I use Elevate. And oh. yeah, and like uh, it has like the memory function, but also I like memory games. And I, I started playing word games too. And there's this one where you have like the circle of words with the letter in the a circle of letters, sorry, with the one in the middle that you have to have in every word you use. And then you there's uh, an extra prize if you or whatever if you get if you use all the words uh, in the circle. Mm-hmm. And that's like a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's really difficult, but like every day I, I make sure I at least get the the big word, and I've been pretty good about that. And that's helped because I've had to like recall because it's not just memory; it's recall. You could know a lot of shit, but if you can't access it, it's useless. Yep. Um, yeah. And so I've been working on that sixty, man. I'm trying to live to 150. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You know, smoke a lot of weed, huh? I said that'd be amazing. I but I won't make it there. I'm already certain. <laughs> so, Whatever, man. Just get some robot parts to keep moving. Let's go. <laughs> um, also, plug your handle uh, so people can find you. Oh. So, uh, Theodus Crane, T-H-E-O-D-U-S-C-R-A-N-E. Uh, at Twitter, at Instagram, official Theodos Crane on Facebook. And Brendan, uh, final number. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Bigdudeforhire.com. Wait, what? Bigdudeforhire.com. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that your website? I'm going to put yeah. that in the bio. Bigdudeforhire.com. I love the boxer's name. I'm like, what kind of boxer? Theo, you you very impressive. You have 25 boxers. Oh, that's very, really very nice. Nice, nice. This is a solid number. Uh, thank you again for coming on to our show. This has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to everyone who's listening to Sessions with Mary Jane. Catch everything LNH Studios and Late Night Hub has to offer on Instagram and the interwebs and so on and so forth. Yeah, watch Animals Free with Jordan Free. New show it just came out. Peace. Oh, guess guess what? Yes. The mushrooms just kicked in. Oh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. Oh.